Good morning, friends, and welcome to day two of Bible in a Year with Pastor Steve. I hope that you found the first day enjoyable as you read through the first day's worth of readings and listened to the devotional. I hope that you find some time to share some thoughts in our Facebook page, Bible in a Year with Pastor Steve. You might have noticed that I changed it from our private group to a public page of its own so that it's easier to find and add people to it. Uh, the Bible in a Year reading plan is available on my website at emmanuelmelbourne.org backslash B-I-Y. That stands for Bible in a Year. I created that little acronym. You're welcome. Uh, you can go down there and download the reading plan, print it out, do whatever you want to do so that you can cross it off each day. It's always a satisfying thing to do. Um, be sure to invite some friends and family to join us in this journey. Uh, it's going to be a, a long journey, but we're here to encourage and support one another as a community. I uh, pray that each of you grows in faith because of this uh, discipleship opportunity that is reading through the entirety of Scripture. Now, without further ado, we will proceed to today's readings from Genesis 6 through 8. As a reminder, we're reading here on the podcast from the web version of the Bible, which is the World English Bible, because it is public domain and I can read it in its entirety without penalty. So that's where I'm reading from. The Bible in a Year Reading Plan recommends the New International Version, which I hope that you'll read that as well. So here we go. Genesis chapter 6. When men began to multiply on the surface of the ground and daughters were born to them, God's sons saw that men's daughters were beautiful, and they took any that they wanted for themselves as wives. Yahweh said, My spirit shall not strive with man forever, because he is also flesh. So his days will be 120 years. The Nephilim were in the earth those days, and also after that, when God's sons came into men's daughters and had children with them. Those were the mighty men who were of old men of renown. Yahweh said, Yahweh saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of man's heart were continually only evil. Yahweh was sorry that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him in his heart. Yahweh said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the surface of the ground, man along with animals, creeping things, and birds of the sky, for I am sorry that I have made them. But Noah found favor in Yahweh's eyes. This is the history of generations of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time. Noah walked with God. Noah became the father of three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. The earth was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. God saw the earth and saw that it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. God said to Noah, I will bring an end to all flesh. For the earth is filled with violence through them. Behold, I will destroy them and the earth. Make a ship of gopher wood. You shall make rooms in the ship and shall seal it inside and outside with pitch. This is how you shall make it. The length of the ship shall be 300 cubits, its width 50 cubits, and its height 30 cubits. You shall make a roof in the ship and you shall finish it to a cubit upward. You shall set the door of the ship in its side. You shall make it with lower, second, and third levels. 
I, even I, will bring the flood of waters on this earth to destroy all flesh having the breath of life from under the sky. Everything that is in the earth will die, but I will establish my covenant with you. You shall come into the ship, you, your sons, your wife, and your sons' wives with you. Of every living thing of flesh you shall bring two of every sort into the ship to keep them alive with you. They shall be male and female. Of the birds after their kind and the livestock after their kind and every creeping thing of the ground after its kind, two of every sort will come to you to keep them alive. Take with you some of all food that is eaten and gather it to yourself and it will be food for you and for them. Thus Noah did. He did all that God commanded him. Genesis chapter 7. Yahweh said to Noah, Come with all your household into the ship, for I have seen your righteousness before me in this generation. You shall take seven pairs of every clean animal with you, the male and his female. Of the animals that are not clean, take two, the male and his female. Also of the birds of the sky, seven and seven, male and female to keep seed alive on the surface of all the earth. In seven days I will cause it to rain on the earth for forty days and forty nights. I will destroy every living thing that I have made from the surface of the ground. Noah did everything that Yahweh commanded him. Noah was six hundred years old when the flood of waters came on the earth. Noah went into the ship with his sons, his wife, and his sons' wives because of the flood waters. Clean animals, unclean animals, birds, and everything that creeps on the ground went by pairs to Noah into the ship, male and female, as God commanded Noah. After the seven days, the flood waters came on the earth. In the six hundredth year of Noah's life, in the second month, on the seventeenth day of the month, on that day all the fountains of the great deep burst open and the sky's windows opened. It rained on the earth forty days and forty nights. In the same day, Noah, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, the sons of Noah, and Noah's wife, and three wives of his sons with them, entered the ship. They and every animal after its kind, all the livestock after their kind, every creeping thing that creeps on the earth after its kind, and every bird after its kind, every bird of every sort. Pairs from all flesh, with the breath of life in them, went into the ship to Noah. Those who went in, went in male and female of all flesh, as God commanded him. Then Yahweh shut them in. The flood was forty days on the earth. The waters increased and lifted up the ship, and it was lifted up above the earth. The waters rose and increased greatly on the earth, and the ship floated on the surface of the waters. The waters rose very high on the earth. All the high mountains that were under the whole sky were covered. The waters rose fifteen cubits higher and the mountains were covered. All flesh died that moved on the earth, including birds, livestock, animals, every creeping thing that creeps on the earth, and every man, all on the dry land, in whose nostrils was the breath of the spirit of life, died. Every living thing was destroyed that was on the surface of the ground, including man, livestock, creeping things, and birds of the sky. They were destroyed from the earth. Only Noah was left, and those who were with him in the ship. The waters flooded the earth 150 days. Genesis chapter 8. God remembered Noah, all the animals, and all the livestock that were with him in the ship, and God made a wind to pass over the earth. The waters subsided. The deep fountains and the sky's windows were also stopped. 
and the rain from the sky was restrained. The waters continually receded from the earth. After the end of 150 days, the water receded. The ship rested in the seventh month on the 17th day of the month on Ararat's mountains. The waters receded continually until the 10th month. In the 10th month, on the first day of the month, the tops of the mountains were visible. At the end of 40 days, Noah opened the window of the ship which he had made, and he sent out a raven. It went back and forth until the waters were dried up from the earth. He himself sent out a dove to see if the waters were abated from the surface of the ground, but the dove found no place to rest her foot, and she returned into the ship to him, for the waters were on the surface of the whole earth. He put out his hand and took her, and brought her to him into the ship. He waited yet another seven days, and again he sent out the dove out of the ship. The dove came back to him at evening. Behold, in her mouth was a freshly plucked olive leaf. So Noah knew that the waters were abated from the earth. He waited yet another seven days and sent out the dove, and she didn't return to him any more. In the 601st year, in the first month, the first day of the month, the waters were dried up from the earth. Noah removed the covering of the ship and looked. He saw that the surface of the ground was dry. In the second month, on the 27th day of the month, the earth was dry. God spoke to Noah, saying, Go out of the ship, you, your wife, your sons, and your sons' wives with you. Bring out with you everything that is with you of all flesh, including birds, livestock, and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth that they may breed abundantly in the earth and be fruitful and multiply on the earth. Noah went out with his sons, his wife, and his sons' wives with him. Every animal, every creeping thing, and every bird, whatever moves on the earth after their families went out of the ship. Noah built an altar to Yahweh and took of every clean animal and every clean bird and offered burnt offerings on the altar. Yahweh smelled the pleasant aroma. Yahweh said in his heart, I will not again curse the ground any more for man's sake, because the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth. I will never again strike every living thing as I have done. While the earth remains, seeds time and harvest and cold and heat and summer and winter and day and night will not cease. Oh, dear God, we thank you for this time together in your holy, inspired word. We pray that you would, by the power of your Holy Spirit, open our minds and our hearts so that we may gain understanding. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, friends, we are getting into the thick of it in Genesis. Uh, as mentioned, uh, the devotional for today will cover uh, roughly chapters 6 through 8 but I will touch upon some of chapters 9 and 10 in Genesis, and I hope that you're reading uh, along the, the prescribed proverb and psalm for each day because it's always good to have some practical wisdom, and when it comes to the psalms, to be in the songbook and the prayer book of the Bible. So today in Genesis, we see Noah and his family. In a prior chapter, we saw that Noah is a descendant that came out of the, let's say, the good line of Adam and Eve. You know, Cain and Abel. Cain slew Abel, uh, and Abel was replaced by Seth in terms of sonship. Uh, and Noah is an heir through that line. Now, if you went through chapter six, you might have noticed some interesting things. Uh, first of which is the reference to sons of God and daughters of men. Well, what does that mean? 
Well, many times in Scripture when sons of God is referenced, we're referring to spiritual entities or angels, and the daughters of men, well, that's humanity born of mankind. Now, when this occurred, the result was the people group known as the Nephilim. And these were the giants, the mighty men of old, the scripture said. And around the same time, uh, wickedness and evil reached its peak. And our word here says that God regretted making the human race. That's in verse 7. But God found favor in someone, right? That was Noah, because he was called righteous. It says he was righteous because of his faith in following God. That was from verse 9. So because of this person, this remnant, so to speak, God did not scrap the project of creation and the collaboration with humanity. Now, the chapter ends with a promise for a new covenant that God would establish with Noah. Uh, and, and this is going to lead to that uh, the story that many of us know, that if you've ever been through uh, Bible school or Sunday school growing up in the church, you probably read about Noah and his ark. And we're about to see that story unfold soon. And the plan is to, to make that ark to save the remnant and to kick off this creative process afresh. And you'll see that the, the chapter ends with the plans for the ark and a call to bring aboard Noah's family, his sons, his wife, and his son's wives, and of course, with some animals. Now, when you get into chapter 7, there may be a little bit of confusion. I've heard this before, and I've been confused myself in the past because of the reference between twos and sevens. Did, did God call the animals by twos, or did he call them by So the confusion can be cleared up a bit when you think of the need for Noah and his family to have a food source during this trip. So of the clean animals, they would have brought them by sevens so that they could have male and female for the animals to procreate, um, but also to have a food source. And by twos, well, some of the unclean animals per se, they would have been taken on by twos. Now the waters, they were unleashed upon the earth by God um, from below, right? The water vents in the deep that sprang forth water from the, the depths of the earth. And also the skies were open to allow water to come down and form this huge flood event. And this was a global event. It wasn't just something that happened in Noah's region. It's a global event. What's really interesting is that there are folk stories, uh, histories, found in the ancient Near Eastern works uh, thousands and thousands of years uh, prior to um, the Bible that speak of a global flood event. And also some Native American folklore as well speaks of a global flood event. Some even theorize that the Grand Canyon was carved through this global flooding event. So there is credence for this to have actually historically occurred. So anyway, the, the heavens opened and the, the springs from beneath opened for 40 days and 40 nights and it covered everything through the very tops of the mountains. 
And it covered the earth for about six months and then started to recede. And the end result was what? All living things, including the humans, died. And in chapter 8, the waters continue to recede, and eventually the ark lands on a mountain range, the mountains of Ararat, found in uh, what we know to be modern-day Turkey. And Noah, wisely, what does he do? He sends out some reconnaissance troops, uh, birds, in fact, to see if the earth was dried up. They did this a couple times, and finally the birds didn't come back, which meant they found a place to to nest and to roost and to land um, so that they didn't have to come back to the boat. And eventually, Noah and his family disembarked from the ark. And notice Noah's response. Noah's first response, and this is probably why God saw him as a righteous man living by faith. Um, His first response was to worship. He created an altar and he sacrificed from the animals. And God vowed in his own heart here in chapter 8, to never curse the ground again on the account of humanity. Because why? Well, realize that the heart of man and womankind from their youth, from very beginning really of uh, them being on the earth is a tendency towards evil. So he wasn't going to scrap the project of humanity and creation again. And so he vowed to, to basically take things into his own hands. Now, in chapter 9, we see that covenant spelled out. We refer to it often as the Noahic covenant, in which God said that he would no longer destroy the earth by flood, right? And then there, there was going to be a symbol of this covenant that humanity can see and recall this covenant between them and God. Really, it's from God to them. And that was the rainbow, Now, that doesn't mean that rainbows didn't exist before this time. Um, From a science perspective, the rainbows are a result of optics of water droplets in the atmosphere that, you know, create this prismatic effect uh, of light and creates the colors of the rainbow. But what it did mean was that there was additional meaning and significance added to the symbol of the rainbow. And something I learned when I was in seminary was the significance of the bow, right? The rainbow. Notice how it's curved towards the heavens, right? If it was a bow and arrow, you would see that essentially um, God would be aiming to himself, which means he took the responsibility to do something. And we see as this traces out throughout scriptural history that God, in fact, does Uh, continue the process of redemption. Now, in chapter 9 also, we see some weird business that occurs between Noah and one of his sons, Ham. Uh, And what it says there is that Ham had uncovered the nakedness of his father. There's many different theories about what this all meant and why it resulted in Noah cursing Ham and essentially Canaan, his son, and which we know later to be the Canaanites and the, the land of promise, the promised land. Came. Well, many of the theories point to the fact that perhaps Ham disgraced his father by raping his mother. That's the nakedness of his father would be the wife. And that the result was perhaps the child, Canaan, and that there was essentially 
um, this evil baggage that would follow Canaan for the rest of his life and through the generations. Now, chapter 10, we see a genealogy and how Noah's three sons birthed the nations that filled the earth, right? So God scrapped the rest of the people, right? Because of the flood, they would be the families that populate the fullness of the earth. And everyone has now become descendants through these three, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now Luke 3, verse 21 and following, especially in verse 36, we see that this genealogy for Jesus traces all the way back up through Shem and Noah, and thus all the way back to Adam, showing that Jesus is linked all the way back to the very beginning, and that through this line, uh, Jesus would be a type of new Adam that would bring life instead of death. Some final thoughts on these chapters is uh, many people often wonder, why is there evil in the world? Why do bad things happen to good people? Well, since the fall of humankind and because of free will, people have the choice to do good and they have the choice to disobey God and, and do evil, right? Evil comes out of the disobedience of humanity. And God was no longer going to completely um, eliminate humanity because of this evil tendency or this tendency towards sin. Uh, rather, he would um, have another divine initiative through his son, Jesus Christ, to bring the world back to rights. But the good news is that evil will never have the last word. In fact, Jesus' death on the cross was God's no to evil. He wasn't going to let it succeed and have the last word. In Jesus' death, part of that was to secure a victory over the powers of evil, of sin, and death. Now, evil obviously still exists, right? The full judgment against evil and against sin and death, well, it won't happen until Christ returns. In Matthew chapter 24, verse 37 and beyond, it says, As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, up to the day Noah entered the ark. And then they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. That is how it will be with the coming of the Son of Man. Just that quickly, when Jesus makes his return at a time which none of us know, the final act of judgment against evil, sin, and death will have commenced, and the fullness of his kingdom will come to pass, where there will be no more evil, no more suffering, death, and sorrow. That's good news. Amen. Well, friends, let's continue to pray for each other, encourage one another, and strive together towards our goal of reading God's Word through the course of this year. My name is Pastor Steve. I wish you a wonderful and blessed week. God bless.